you know, when Steve Means played drums, he's a jazz guy. Yeah. And when he would get lost, he would go into <laughs> And Mike Bright, he'd be on guitar and he'd just look at me and I'm like, And then it just, then it was just fun. It was. <laughs> when he'd go into that jazz route, I just grinned. Justin had this friend, he was in a car wreck, and like when he was a kid, and he, he was like, he was still like a beginner, but he was so tough, like after one song, it was just like, we got to and he was having it, and it was like his, in the car wreck, like his back got broke, but, but I'm just saying, like you said, song and I'm like I think it's the third. Is this right? Um, the I'm, I'm going to go from what you're doing. Okay. So. <laughs> well, you the order you are saving the day. Just making sure you yeah. have one. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That should be the way we had it. I don't know why. Hey, hey. I'm telling you. Well, we had like like five different versions. I put one on her. Now wait, 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 wait. Is Revelations on four? Yeah. See, see, it, hey, it's see, different. See, it's different. See, the king of my heart's third. Yeah, so we're, good, we're just going to move it. To okay, third. cool. We're swapping with the last two. Yeah, yeah. See. Yeah, and I don't know why. Hey, I, well, hey, 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 hey. I thought it was the other way, too. Well, you tell. I'm going uh, to go with this. Right. Yeah, just. Thank you. Gotta remember to transpose. So how are you, Sherry? I do not like my music.
wish I could make more eye contact with my bamboo. Next week I'm setting up and I'm turning around. I'm just, I'm, you and I are going to be there. Actually, next week really? we're just going to put you right here. No. Yep. I don't want you to hug me. Well, actually, I'm turning the kid around this way. So Jane and I can just stare at everybody. I'm going to be like, whatever makes you talk. Awkward lover. Yeah. Good morning, and welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. It's good to see all of you gathered here today. Uh, I hope you took a moment to pick up a weekly sheet, a calendar sheet as you came in. Several announcements to, to share with you. First of all, uh, Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday, Valentine's. There will be imposition of ashes in the sanctuary from 11.30 to 12.30 during the day. And then an Ash Wednesday worship service at 6 o'clock at night. Also, I want to say a thank you to everyone who participated in the Valentine's parties for our children and youth. There was a wonderful outpouring of your love. And because of you, our children and youth had the opportunity to experience the love of Christ on Wednesday night and the love of their family of faith. If you have not done so, remember that there are sign-in sheets on the edge of the pew if you take a moment and sign in. Or if you are joining us online, uh, please leave a comment. For those of you who are signing in in person, leave those in the offering plate later in the service. Let's prepare ourselves for worship. Heavenly Father, help us to focus on you. Help us to experience your presence and be renewed in that presence. May this worship be an opportunity to cast their cares upon you and bask fully in your love and grace. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
You may be seated. As we move to our time of pastoral prayer and morning offering, I just want to say thank you to all of you who support the mission and ministry of First United Methodist Church, whether that be an offering you put in the plate, online, through Venmo, or recurring gifts. We are blessed the ways you support this church over and over again. Let us prepare to worship God with our morning offering through prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your love that never fails us and never lets us down. That is there when we go through discouraging times and uplifts us in those times. That is there when we celebrate and see your presence in a powerful way. 
God, we ask that love be real and tangible today as we worship and be with those we have on our heart today. All of us bring our burdens to you, knowing that we have folks that we love who are hurting, who are sad, who are in distress, who mourn. We ourselves might even be there. So God, pour out your love upon these needs. Heal us and draw us closer to you. God, we ask your blessings be not only upon these needs, but the church, our community, and our world. Bless us, bless this offering. May it be used to spread the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church and ushers, if you would, come forward to receive the morning offering. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my
The windows for this Sunday are unique because they're different than the other windows that we've looked at or will look at. And notice I said plural windows because there are two windows. These are the altar lily windows which are in the choir loft behind me. They are the smallest stained glass windows and are located behind me in the choir loft. And unlike the other windows of this church, they were not given as a memorial, but rather they were given as a gift by the artist Joseph Victor Loren. So he gave them to the church when several other windows were installed in 1936. Also, what's different about these windows is they, they're difficult to see from the outside. In order to see the windows, you either have to go up to the second floor in the old trailblazers class and look out a window, or you have to stand at the back of the parking lot across the street and gaze far away. That's the only way you will see those windows from the outside. These both are beautiful works of art and a means of grace by which we can connect with our Creator. And while I don't have a backstory as a memorial, I do have a fascinating legend that some of you have told me you'd never heard before. Look at the top of the greenery in the windows. Most of you will see two blossoms of the Easter lily about to bloom. But some of you know that legend says that that's not the blossoms of the Easter lily, but rather the ears of a bunny hiding, waiting for Easter to come. As I have said many times with all works of art, these windows are, in sub are subject to interpretation. So whether you see Easter lilies bloom or bunny ears, that is your interpretation of the windows. Speaking of interpretation, one of the scripture verses which was assigned to these windows happened to be from the Song of Songs um, 2.1, which says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. With that scripture as the background, I felt a meaningful direction for these windows would be the names of Jesus. So I googled what Lily of the Valley looked like. And you know what I found out? That is not Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley looks nothing like an Easter Lily. Easter Lilies are native to Taiwan and some islands of Japan and not the Middle East. So the lilies in our window are not the lilies reflected in the Song of Songs. Another scripture verse which was assigned to these windows is consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They tool not, neither do they spin. And that comes from Matthew 6, 28, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Well, we're going to get to the Sermon on the Mount in two weeks with the window in the acolyte room. So I decided I didn't want to go down that path just yet. So I started thinking, what and how do these windows relate to our journey of faith? So I landed on the Easter lily itself in the scripture reading that I'll share with you in a moment. While this might not be part of the scriptural archive history that is with these windows, I think this passage truly connects with the spirit of the lilies and our journey of faith. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 13 through 19. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 19. For if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who might live no longer live for themselves but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God has reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. 
the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look to your word in these windows, I pray, dear God, that the meditations of our heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have a love-hate relationship with lilies. My favorite flower is the tiger lilies that grow wild along Alabama roadsides in August. I love the lilies. But as I have gotten older, I have grown allergic to lilies. So when Easter morning comes, you will find me in the pulpit with allergy medicine, ibuprofen, and cough drops ready to be assaulted by the scent of the Easter lilies in this church. But I do love Easter lilies, and it has become my habit that every church I serve, I take the leftover lilies that are left behind after Easter, and I plant them at the home where I live, knowing as a Methodist pastor, I may not be there the next spring to see them bloom, but someone will. So it's a gift for the next pastor or the new family. It's a gift for someone to experience the beauty and the blossom and the new life of these perennial flowers. And that's kind of the spirit behind the message today and the Easter lily. This is part of the symbolism and beauty of the plant that is actually known as Lilium longiflorum. And as I said, it's a native of Taiwan in Japan. Throughout the years, this flower has become associated with resurrection and Easter. Many consider these flowers when thinking about the scripture which I shared earlier. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Legend has sprung up around the lilies in church saying that when Jesus on his last night with his disciples as he was praying in the garden and sweated drops of blood, that the places where the blood fell, Easter lilies sprung up the next day after our, his death. Well, I think that's legend in a way to connect the flowers to, to resurrection and the church. But they have been a staple in homes and churches since the 1800s when they became a commercial crop in Bermuda and sold here in the United States. I believe that the power and symbolism of the Easter lily is what we heard expressed in scripture this morning. Just as the Easter lily blooms in a, is a herald of new life, so we experience new life in Jesus. Did you hear these words? If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. See, everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. The bloom of the lilies reflect new life. This is more than new life at spring and Easter, but new life which can be ours every minute of every day in Jesus. Be patient, gardeners, as I explain to all of us non-gardener types what the life cycle of the Easter lily means. So a fertilized seed goes to the ground, it sprouts uh, roots and stems, and then it begins to grow, putting on green foliage and, and growing larger and larger. If it happens to store enough food, it will create a bulb underneath the ground. And the plant will grow, and come fall and winter, the green above the ground dies, and the bulb stays dormant in the cold and darkness. But when spring comes, that stored energy comes to life. With warmth and, and dampness of a new season, the lily starts to grow again, and it sprouts forth, bringing new life. And the new life that comes out of the ground does not resemble the old decay and death of the fall and winter. It does not resemble the bulb which has been buried beneath the ground. But it is something totally new. And this new continues the life cycle. And it continues to sprout and grow again year after year. With the emergence of perennial flowers such as the Easter lily, we know that a new season is at hand. We watch the flower die in the fall and we know something beautiful is about to come. 
Yet we also know that new growth emerges, eventually arriving at the point of a blossom. The beauty of the flower means new life and a replacement of the old. If we did know the life cycle of the lily, we would think the fall and winter are the end of the story. But we know there's more to the story than death and decay. New life is coming. There's a possibility for something to be made new. And that's what the scripture reading for this morning is all about. The scripture is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Paul is talking about the ministry of reconciliation, the rest, our relationship with God. He has been given a ministry to restore people's relationship with God. Now this relationship has been broken by, by sin, but in Jesus... God has canceled the power of sin in our lives and remembers not the trespasses. So we can be reconciled to Jesus. The old is gone and God has given us a new way of life. We are only seen through that new life and not defined by the lens of the past. Christ brings us to himself not counting our previous sins, Paul has a message to share, one in which Christ entrusted him to share that we can know forgiveness and newness in Jesus. And we can relate this to the Easter lily in two ways. First of all, something totally new emerges. Something totally different comes from the ground than the death and decay of the fall and winter. What emerges is something beautiful and lovely that looks nothing like the wilting of the fall. It is something different than what was before. It doesn't even look like the same plant. When we have a new relationship with Jesus, we are made new. To God, we're not defined by the past. We're defined by the new. We are forgiven. We are made whole. We need not feel guilt and shame. The goodness of what happens with us in Jesus eclipses the past. Our new life is like the beauty that springs forth in the springtime. We can also think of our spiritual life like the lily emerging each year, each spring for new life. The plant is a totally new plant, which is continually made new year after year. This is a process of regrowth and renewal. Something new happens. There's new life. The plant doesn't stop being made new. And so it is with us in Jesus. We have the opportunity to be made new every day, every minute of our lives. Christ invites us to more. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. We have an opportunity to grow in Christ's love every day in many different ways. Even though we may feel like we have arrived, there's still more new. There's still more to our life in Christ. It's an ongoing process of being made new. This cycle of being made new in the past was a cycle uh, not uh, open to people. It once was a cycle of being stuck in a rut. Just as the perennial flower has a cycle, humanity has a cycle. You see the cycle repeated again and again in, in Scripture, especially the Old Testament. Look to the Israelites. They were stuck in slavery in Egypt. And God made a way through the Exodus. They were brought to a new land and given laws. And giving rules so that they might be in relationship with God. In right relationship with God. Well, if you read in Exodus, you know what happened as Moses went up the mountain to get the laws before he even came down. The people were making an idol to worship a golden calf and they had broken that relationship with God. But God was merciful and God forgave them. And what did they do? They got stuck in the rut of sin again. And God was merciful and God forgave them. And what did they do? They complained again and wanted to go back to Egypt. And God was merciful and God forgave them. And we see this pattern over and over again. The pattern through the judges and the kings and the prophets and even into exile. And the cycle would continue. 
The cycle continued as they wandered and and made their way. The cycle continued until God with us, Jesus, came. Jesus came and broke the cycle of sin, and in him we have the opportunity to be made new. We have the opportunity to be rooted in grace, to be reconciled to God through our relationship with him and through him. Not that the trespasses are counted to us, but the trespasses are forgotten and we can be in whole relationship with God. Sin is still sin, and repentance and the realization of our need for God is still a part of our ongoing relationship with God. God still offers forgiveness and mercy, but when we are in Jesus, we are a new creation, not defined by sin or the past. We are not defined by who we were, but who we are in Christ. We are defined by the love of God in Jesus Christ and the possibility of new growth and new life in Jesus. In Christ, that cycle is behind us, and we can look forward to a new life in Christ. This is not to say that that sin is completely behind us. We will sin because we will. But as you heard in Scripture today, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The problem is the sin cycle breaks our relationship with God. But in Christ Jesus, there is no separation. We remember the words from Paul in Romans 8. There is nothing, nothing that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that is good news for all of us today. This is not only good news for us, but it is good news for others too. Because also in Romans 8, Paul writes, there is no condemnation for he who is in Christ Jesus. Not only do we get to experience love and grace, but so do our brothers and sisters which means when we look at others, we should look at them like God looks at us, like these beautiful lilies in the window, beautiful, beloved, and the potential for new growth. Because remember, just as the past is behind us, the past is behind our brothers and sisters in Christ too. They're not defined by their past. They are defined by who they are in Christ today. And that is a beautiful gift for all of us. So my prayer often is less judgment and more Jesus. And think about how more beautiful the world would be if we practice that in our own lives, with ourselves, and with those around us. Less judgment and more Jesus. In that, we recognize we are all on a journey of being made new in Christ. This is not only our story, but a story for all who follow Jesus. And we can recognize we're on that journey together. You look at the windows and you see the blooms of Easter lilies. You see the newness of a plant in full blossom. You see the plant at its most glorious. You don't see it in the fall when it's wilting and dying. You don't see the bulb buried beneath the ground. I believe when Jesus looks at us, he sees us the same way as new creations. Death and decay are behind us. Jesus knows us through the beauty of who we are becoming in him. And Jesus wants us to know that beauty in him. Are you ready for new life? Are you ready for transformation? Are you ready to be made new? Because Jesus is ready for you. And by the way, I do think those are Easter bunny ears in the window. (laughs) Let us pray. God, we are thankful that in you, you are making all things new. And anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. We're thankful that we can claim that for our lives, not being defined by our mistakes, our failures, and faults, but defined in your love and your beauty. That is the good news and blessing that we all have in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful blessing. 
It is in his name we pray. Amen. I love Lily's too, Sherry.
If you have a prayer need in your life or feel led to unite with First United Methodist Church, either by transfer of membership or the sacrament of baptism, know that I'm available after the service to speak with you. And also know you're invited back either Thursday night or next Sunday as we explore the next window in our series. Uh-oh. And that is the window that is the largest window, the newest window, and the window that you have to climb stairs to see, which is the journey, otherwise known as the gym window. So hope to see you back next week. And now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.